Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Hand to Hand in the Trenches, a missionary story podcast. I'm Caleb Hickam. And I'm Kimberly Croker. And we are your hosts for this episode of Hand to Hand. Hand to Hand is a ministry outreach of Charity Baptist Tabernacle in Amarillo, Texas. And Hand to Hand is a missionary story podcast that tells the true stories of Christians around the world who have hazarded their lives for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. This week, we're going to be finishing up the story of Billy and Janet Eubanks as documented in the book 13 Minutes Over the Vatican. Yes, last week we talked about Billy getting his Italian pilot's license and about how Janet decided that God wanted her to serve as bombardier. And when we finished, Billy and Janet were in Italy with only a few days left until the day before Easter. Look, Janet, that is the Tiber River. It runs from northeast to the sea and runs right through Rome, not even a half mile from the Vatican. I see it. If we follow the river, we can't miss it. We have eight days to make all the preparations and get the tracks ready. Yes. I will use my spare time to keep practicing, but I have to make sure to reserve a Cessna 172 from 10 a.m. to noon on the Saturday before Easter Sunday. Why not Easter Sunday itself? The Rome Air Club is closed on Easter Sunday. We won't be able to get a plane. I think Saturday will have the most people at the Vatican. Oh yes, I understand. That is a good idea. So, Billy made sure to reserve a Cessna 172 from 10 a.m. to noon on the day before Easter Sunday. Then, they got busy working on the details. Janet, the first thing we need to figure out is how we're going to load the tracks. What do you mean? Well, we can't load them on the plane at Irby Airport because it will be too busy. Oh, I understand. If anyone sees us loading bags of literature onto the plane, they'll know we're planning something. Yes. We need a small, quiet airport or runway where I can land the plane and have you meet me there with the tracks in the car. 
Then, we will transfer the tracks from the rental car to the plane and fly for the Vatican. Do you know of a place? Well, I did find a villa about 10 miles from Rome that has its own airstrip. But the problem is that you would have to break through two locked gates to get the car to the runway. Oh, Billy, if someone saw me, I would go to jail. The car with the tracks would be impounded, and the whole mission would be a bust. I did see a small factory with a long driveway that could be used as a runway, but I don't think I have the skill to land there without crashing the plane. Billy, please don't do that. We need to find a better option. I will keep listening around at the air club. Maybe I will hear of a place. In the meantime, Billy and Janet checked into a little cabin at a place called Seven Hills Camping. He rented it through Saturday because he expected that they would both be dead or guests of the Italian or Vatican prison system by Saturday night. Janet, I have thought about it a lot and there's really no place to escape to after the bombing. I know. We don't have enough fuel to get to Switzerland, and the Alps are too high to cross. I guess our best plan is, if we don't get shot down, we would just land back at the Irby Airport, trust God, and let the chips fall where they may. We are the Lord's. He will do with us what seemeth him good. Billy had no illusions of a happy ending for this mission. I know the Vatican is a no-fly zone. As soon as we are over them, the Italian government will probably scramble fighter jets to shoot us down. That's fine. I'm more afraid of being tortured than I am of being killed. If we do survive, we will probably be facing at least eight years in prison. If I admit all the blame, which I plan to do, maybe they will let Janet off with a lighter sentence. Or even let her go if I tell them that she didn't know what I was planning. Two days later, the Lord let Billy overhear a couple of pilots at the air club talking about an airport in a small mountain town called Rietta, which was 65 miles north of Rome. It sounded like a perfect place to transfer the tracks into the plane. So Billy and Janet drove over to Rietta to check it out. They had lunch in a little restaurant overlooking the airport. Janet, this place is perfect. It is a sleepy little town. I don't think anyone will notice us after all. Absolutely. This is where we will make the transfer. Now, I want you to drop me off at the Irby Airport and then drive the car here and park by that hedge close to the opening. I will rent the plane and fly here. When I get here, I will pull up by those gas pumps and pretend to be refueling. Then, we will quickly load the tracks and take off before anyone realizes anything is going on. All right, Bill. I'm so thankful that the Lord helped us find the right place to make the transfer. Me too. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm also thankful for my beautiful wife who's willing to help me no matter what. After lunch, they drove back to Rome and went to the supermarket where they bought a pack of large, double-lined, heavy-duty, black garbage bags. Janet, 
Do you know how to say supermarket in Italian? Supermarcato. I don't think that's right, Bill. Airport is aeroporto. Aeroporto. Yeah, I'm with Janet. I don't really think that that can be right. No, no, that's not right. But we have to mention it because it will come up in a few minutes. Anyway, they bought the garbage bags and then drove back to their rented cabin at Seven Hills Camping. That night, they separated the 200 pounds of chip tracks and the 250 pounds of leaf tracks. They took them out of their packages and put some of each kind of track into the sacks. They put a total of 14 trash bags together, Janet doing seven and Billy doing seven. At least, that was the plan. But Billy was distracted reading a book about fighter pilots in World War II. And before he even started separating his tracks, Janet was already done. Honey, would you do my tracks too? No. I finished mine. I'm going to bed. Okay. Go to bed. Have a good sleep. Sweet dreams, baby doll. Billy ended up staying up till 2.30 a.m. preparing his tracks. The next morning was Friday. Good Friday, the Catholics call it. And it was almost time. But that morning, the sky was overcast and there was a thick fog. Janet, we need to pray. The forecast is calling for overcast and fog all weekend. If it is foggy tomorrow, they won't rent me the plane and we will have to wait another year. Billy got on the phone and called his preacher friend in South Carolina. Preacher, please call all the saints in your church. Ask them to pray for God to clear up the sky. Billy and Janet both stayed at the cabin most of the day Friday. Billy was nervous about the weather, but not Janet. Just trust God, honey. He will work it out. Remember Romans 8:28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Billy barely slept that night, and at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning, he hurried outside and looked up to see the most beautiful blue sky he had ever seen. Glory to God! They loaded the tracks into the car, and at 9.15 a.m., Janet dropped Billy at the front gate of the airport, and she headed on to Rieta. So far... So good. I'll see you in Rietta, honey. Be careful. You too, baby. I love you. But as Billy approached the air club, the first problem of the day came into view. Billy saw another pilot doing a ground inspection of the Cessna 172 that he had reserved, the plane Billy needed for the mission. And now, someone else was about to fly away with it. Billy went up to him and tried to talk to him, but he couldn't speak English. 
All Billy could understand was that the guy was planning to fly the plane to Naples that morning. No, no, it's my plane. I have to have it this morning. I reserved it over a week ago. So Billy hurried over to the line shack to try to sort it out. Right away, he saw that his name and flight time of 10 a.m. had been erased and moved to 5 p.m. About that time, Billy's friend Roberto arrived and served as an interpreter for the dispute. Now, for the sake of the story, we will tell the exchange of the conversation, but we're going to have to leave out the interpreter. So, the guy said that he had asked for the plane two weeks ago, but had forgotten to write it down. I figure you don't mind if you fly at five instead. Actually, I do mind. I have this plane reserved. I wrote it down. Quite an argument ensued. My plane, Naples. Your plane, my foot. My plane, Rietta, Rietta. No, no, no. My plane, Naples. My plane, Rietta. Billy knew that this was going nowhere. So he threw up a quick prayer. Billy thought, Since Italian men are macho, maybe I can appeal to this man in a manly view. Maybe he will give me my plane. Sir, me Pileto. Pileto. At this point, Billy began holding out his arms like wings, imitating a plane. Me pilot, my senora, my wife, is up at Rietta today shopping, and she will be at the airporto watching while her husband lands the airplane. Pileto, machismo, Ronald Reagan. Okay, okay, you take the plane first, fly to Rietta, and do one touch and go landing so your wife can see you. Then come right back here so I can get to Naples today. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Billy quickly did his ground inspection, keyed up his radio, and was soon cleared for takeoff. The flight north to Rietta took 38 minutes. Billy felt nervous, but good, as he tuned his radio to Rietta Tower to request landing. But as he cleared the mountains and saw Rietta, the second hitch of the day came into view. At that moment, Billy saw and realized what Janet had been seeing all morning. The sleepy little airport they had visited on Wednesday, which at the time had been little more than a cow pasture, was now transformed into a three-ring circus. It was now Saturday, and the place was crowded with people. There were thousands of people down there, with planes taking off and landing, towing gliders, and parachute jumping. People were everywhere picnicking. Billy was so shaken up that he actually landed on the road beside the runway. It was a terrible landing. Billy taxied over to the gas pumps and saw that despite the parking lot being packed full, Janet was parked right where he had told her to. But 
Right in front of her, there were two police cars parked. Billy parked at the gas pumps, opened the door, and literally fell out of the airplane. His legs were so shaky, he literally could not stand up. Janet came running over and helped him to his feet. Bill, get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of myself? Yes, they will know you're scared. Would you look around you? Do you see there are 10,000 people here? Do you honestly believe we're getting out of here with 14 bags of gospel tracts? Where were you when the brains were passed out? Then he got a little bit of his composure back. He grabbed her by the hand and led her behind the restaurant. Then he pulled her to her knees and cried out to the Lord. Oh God, help us. Unless you do something, God, we're going to get busted. I remember Genesis 19, where you blinded the sodomites. Please blind these people to us. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blind them and let us get out of here with the tracks. Amen. Then, still on rubbery legs, Billy started carrying bags of tracks from the car. Janet got into the back seat of the plane right behind the pilot seat and began arranging the bags around her as Billy handed them in. Billy didn't look to see if anyone noticed him or not. All he could think is how suspicious it must look to see someone loading big black trash bags into an airplane. He made one trip from the car to the plane, then another, and another. The last trip, he grabbed as many bags as he could carry. There was still one bag left, but he slammed the trunk closed and shoved the bags of tracks to Janet in the back of the plane, and he started crawling in himself. Did you get all the tracks? There, there's one bag left, but... I'm not going back for it. By now, tensions were high. It was almost 100 degrees in the plane and so crowded with tracks that Billy had to kick tracks away from the rudder pedals. The cops haven't come over here yet. Maybe we're going to get out of here after all. Maybe we have a shot. Then, problem number three. The plane wouldn't start. What's wrong? I don't know. It started fine this morning. What could it be? Well, we have plenty of fuel. The breakers are good. The altimeter is good. Oh, God, help me. Please, God, help us. Then he realized that he had not pushed in the red mixture control knob. He did and it started right up. All right. Praise Woo! the Lord. Praise Jesus. Rietta Tower, this is Cessna Tango Alpha X-Ray. Requesting takeoff for Irby Airport, Rome. There was no answer. Billy was sure the police were on their way. He waited a full minute, then tried again. Rietta Tower... This is Cessna Tango Alpha X-Ray, requesting takeoff. Janet, if they don't clear us, 
We're going to take off without permission. Cessna Tango Alpha X-Ray, cleared for takeoff. With a sigh of relief, Billy taxied down the runway, picking up speed, and in minutes was in the air and headed for the Devil City. We are in the air! We are going to do this! No one and nothing is going to stop us until this is done! Bill, I'm taking my contacts out so I can't see what's happening. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Okay. I'm turning the radio off so no one can contact us until we're done. But the problems continued. 45 minutes into the flight, Billy realized that he was lost again. We should be back to Rome by now. I had the Tiber River right under me. How could I get lost on this trip? The Tiber River runs right by the Vatican. I mean, Ray Charles could find it. Billy remembered an instrument on board called an automatic direction finder. He turned it on and quickly got back on course. About eight minutes later, they could see the skyline of Rome. Look, Janet, there it is, the accursed city. I told you I was taking out my contacts. Look, look, Janet, we made it, baby. There is St. Peter's in Vatican Square. Billy pulled the throttle and notched the flaps. The plane began slowing down and started in a long spiral turn as he entered Vatican Square. Then, Billy saw the other aircraft. A red helicopter was hovering alongside the Sistine Chapel at an altitude of 2,000 feet. Billy was sure that both the helicopter and Irby Airport had been trying to reach them on the radio, but he still wasn't turning it on. As they approached the Vatican, Bill pushed his window open and set it to the locked open position. Baby, jump the first bag. Do it now. This moment was critical. Billy wanted both the helicopter and the Vatican security to see that their plan was to drop literature and not bombs. As Janet tried to dump the first bag out, the wind threw them back in her face and they hit her in the eye. Ow! You okay, baby? Uh, yes, I'm okay. After that, Janet had to grab handfuls of tracks and throw them out instead of whole bags at a time. So, with tracks flittering out of the windows, the plane screaming down the street at 1,500 feet, approaching Vatican Square at 90 miles an hour. As the giant obelisk loomed in front, Billy banked to the right and pulled hard on the left rudder. The plane fell right into a near-perfect circle around the obelisk in a left-hand turn at 900 feet with 90% power. The left wing was pointing down and the wing was in a 40-degree bank. The tracks were blowing around inside the plane 
and the noise was deafening. I can see people down there pointing at us. The red helicopter is still hovering at the Sistine Chapel. What with all the wind and having to throw them out by the handful, Janet was having a hard time in the back. I can't do anymore. It's too hard. Get them out. It's been five years and we're here now. And I'm not landing this thing until they're all out. So, Janet went back to the incredibly difficult task of catching handfuls of tracks and throwing them out the window. In the meantime, Billy realized that the wind was carrying some of the tracks outside of the city. So he widened his turn. Now, the tracks were dropping on Vatican City with surprising accuracy. There were some 450 pounds, or about 85,000 gospel tracks, and about 90% of them were hitting right on target. After about 13 minutes, Billy heard Janet call out from the back. They're all out, all of them. So, Bill brought the plane out of the turn and climbed to 2,500 feet. As he set a chorus toward Irby Airport, he turned on the radio for the first time in almost three hours. Uh, Irby Tower, this is Cessna Tango Alpha X-Ray requesting landing instructions. Almost immediately, he got an answer. Cessna Tango Alpha X-Ray, land runway 32. Winds out of the west at eight knots. Roger, Irby Tower, runway 32. Well, Janet, they didn't shoot us, so I guess it's eight years of prison. I guess I'll have a few years to study my King James, if they'll let me have one. As soon as Billy landed, the radio crackled again. Cessna Tango Alpha X-Ray, Please continue to taxi up to the end of the runway. Someone down here wants to talk to you. Yeah, I bet they do. Billy could see the red helicopter was parked 100 feet away. There was two uniformed policemen and four or five men in suits signaling him to pull off the runway. They were escorted to a building where the head man demanded their passports and airline tickets. Give me your passport and airline tickets now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here, here you go, sir. Do you realize we had to divert two airliners today because of you? You cost us over 10,000 gallons of jet fuel. It was a madhouse. There were angry people everywhere, with phones ringing and fax machines humming. But it didn't seem like anyone knew what to do with Billy and Janet. Every few minutes, someone would come by and yell at the head man to arrest them. Arrest them. I demand that you arrest them. On what charge? For being crazy? They are crazy. 
You know that, right? They are religious nuts. Look at these. This is a sample of the literature they dropped. It's, it's all religious. After about three hours, Billy asked the boss about Janet. Sir, will you please let my wife go? She didn't have anything to do with it. Yes, I will let her go, but you will stand before the tribunal. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Billy was able to calm down a little bit after that. Meanwhile, people kept coming by every few minutes demanding that they be arrested. But one man went up to Janet, shook her hand while speaking to her in broken English. Good business. Good business. Billy, he must be born again. After a while, the head man brought a pen and a blank sheet of paper to Billy. I want you to confess. Excuse me? I want you to confess your crime. I want you to write on this paper what you did and why you did it and sign the paper. Oh, yes, confess. Yes, I would be happy to confess. So, Billy took the pen and started writing. I confess that there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There is no hope in the Pope. Jesus alone can save. Mary was a great woman, but she did not rise from the dead and cannot save anyone. We dropped gospel tracts on the precious Italian people to warn them that Mary cannot save them, but only the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ can save anybody. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9-10 But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John 1, 12 Signed, Billy Eubanks Billy filled up both sides of the paper. He signed it and gave it to the boss while all the confusion continued. Now, what the Eubanks didn't know and would not find out until later is that the reason it seemed like no one knew what to do with them was because nobody did. You see, the Italian government changes power every two to three years, and it just so happened that because of the holiday weekend, the new leader hadn't yet started. In other words, there was no one in power that weekend, leaving this one guy to make a decision that was far above his pay grade. After about six and a half hours, the boss man walked over to Billy. He was carrying their passports and airline tickets. You've done a very bad thing. 
and you can no longer fly an airplane in Italy. And, Mr. Big Shot, you're through flying. I get your license yanked in the States. Billy couldn't believe what he was hearing. As he hung his head and tried to act sad, he couldn't hardly keep from laughing out loud, as if he cared if he ever flew again. Now, you take your wife and you get out of my country and never come back. Uh, yes sir. Let's go, honey. They literally ran out the door and down the street to the bus stop to catch a ride to Rieta, where they had left their rental car waiting. <sighs> Janet, baby, we have to change our flight. We have to get out of Italy before they change their minds. Which turned out to be true. By Monday morning, there would be a warrant out for their arrest. The next morning was Easter Sunday. So, at 6 a.m., Billy went to the airport to see if he could change their flights. I'm not feeling too well, and we want to go home today. Oh, yes, Mr. Eubanks, it is a holiday, so there are not too many people traveling. It will not be a problem to get you and your wife on the 9 a.m. flight to Los Angeles. As soon as Billy heard that, he went and got Janet, and they checked in at the airport. As they were checking in, an airline employee, accompanied by a policeman armed with a machine gun, stopped them. Who packed this luggage? She did. Yes, I packed our bags. Is there a problem? No, no, ma'am. We just have to ask for security reasons. Here, let me stamp your passport. You can go get your boarding passes at the counter. Thank you. Billy was already scared of being arrested, but he got really scared after he saw a group of policemen with dogs stop an Egyptian man and lead him away. Janet, give me a Coke and a newspaper. You can't read Italian. Get me a Coke and a newspaper right now. So she did. He opened it in front of his face and punched a small hole in it so that he could see, but no one could see his face. That helped his nerves a little bit. Then they called for boarding. Now boarding, flight 2091 service to Los Angeles at gate 12. Now boarding. They boarded the plane, but Billy still expected the police to come and arrest him any minute. Then, the plane was moving. They were airborne, on their way back to America. As the plane sped through the sky, Billy relaxed and enjoyed a snack. You know, Janet... I can see God's mighty hand in all this. Much needed tracks got to Italy for three years. And God wouldn't let us do the mission until Italy was without a government on Easter weekend, 1991. 
His ways are higher than our ways, Bill. Yes, they are. I really thought I would die doing this. God's not going to kill you, Billy. He wants to use you. When Janet said that, it really made an impact on Billy. Two hours into the flight, the stewardess came by and served them lunch. Halfway through the meal, the stewardess started to pour Billy a glass of red wine. But Janet put her hand over the glass. No wine for him. He's a Christian. Billy started to laugh, and then Janet joined in. They roared with laughter. You see, it was funny because you may remember that all of this started because Billy could not quit smoking and occasionally using drugs. Now they laughed the laughter of deliverance. God had let them do a daring, maybe even foolish thing, and he had delivered them. And Billy knew that now he was going to live his life for Christ. Later, Billy wrote this about the mission. Was the mission crazy? Maybe. Was anything accomplished? Well, over 300,000 gospel tracts were distributed. But the most important thing that happened while preparing and doing the mission was that it was exciting. And God gave me something to work on. And I got through those critical years after being saved. If not for this, I might have gone back into the world. Eternity will show the results of the mission. But I believe God allowed it to happen for my good. 2 Samuel 10, verse 12. Be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth him good.